Square Enix did something very, very smart when they made Project Octopath Traveler. And that's that they gave Nintendo Switch users the ability to play a demo well in advance, give their feedback so that Square could do things to make the game better. Now, I understand that in the world of PC gaming, uh, this whole idea of early access is actually very commonplace. But usually you have to buy the game to get the early access, and I don't like the idea of buying a game ahead of time when it's not even finished yet. Like That just rubs me the wrong way. So for Square Enix to say, hey, here's a demo of Octopath Traveler. Why don't you tell us what you think about it, and we'll take your your comments into consideration when we release the final product. I thought that that was really cool. And when I played the demo for Octopath Traveler, I was really, really unhappy. My initial impression was that I've got a beautiful game with a cool combat mechanic hampered by ridiculous positioning of the save points and the inability to skip very, very lengthy dialogue. It was frustrating, to say the least. Well, we complained about that, and Square Enix listened, and they fixed all of those things, which is super, super awesome. So I got pretty excited when Square Enix said, hey, here's Bravely Default 2 coming to the Nintendo Switch, and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to release a demo. And I finally have torn myself away from Animal Crossing for enough time to play the demo for Bravely Default 2. I've not finished it yet. It's actually because there's so much dialogue in it. And I mean, it's a JRPG. Of course, there's tons of dialogue in it. But because there's so much dialogue in it and because it has turn-based battles, you know, uh, they don't have to have tons of content in the demo in order for the demo to take a long time, especially when the, uh, the combat, I mean, maybe I'm just real bad at it. I don't know but especially when the combat is pretty hard. Um, So I went through and I've played for, I'm going to say probably about an hour, maybe a little bit more than that. And in that time, I died a bunch, um, realized that I should search the town for chests and get some equipment on and, you know, maybe equip some abilities like the tutorial was telling me to, but I was only half paying attention because I was talking to my wife at the same time. Um, And I have to say that we're looking at, with Bravely Default 2, it it, it reminds me very much of Octopath Traveler in the fact that it is an incredibly beautiful game with, in this case, I love the voice acting. The voice acting in this is wonderful. The presentation for Bravely Default 2 all around is fantastic. The combat is wonderful. Of course, if you played Bravely Default 1, you already understand the combat mechanic, and it's awesome. All of the stats and uh, the the JRPG's um, number crunching that happens is fantastic as well. Only this time, I don't have any reservations. You know, with Octopath Traveler, I had serious reservations, but with, with Bravely Default 2, I'm feeling pretty sunny about this. This game is looking great. So let me talk about my experience with it so far. And if you haven't already downloaded the demo, then do yourself a favor and go download it. 
So, all right, let's start with presentation. I've already kind of hinted at these things. This game is beautiful. I, I absolutely love when you go into a city and they give you the ability to hit the R button and you can zoom way out and you could see the whole city and you could see all of the places that you can go. And then you can zoom back in as you run around and look at stuff. The whole world feels very, very interactive. And, and you know what it reminds me of in, in a completely bizarre way is if you've ever played Guild Wars 2. Uh, Guild Wars 2 had this wonderful map system where when you hit the M button on your keyboard, the camera would slowly, slowly, it would quickly zoom out from your character and then the map would come up and it would transition from zooming out from your character to that map in such a wonderfully smooth transition that it was it was just seamless. And then when you zoomed back in on your character, it did the same thing in reverse and was just awesome. Now, this doesn't look exactly like that, but it kind of had that same feel to it. And if there was one thing that I wish everybody would copy from Guild Wars 2 is how you go from your character's view to the map view. It's just awesome. And so I really, really like how, how this looks. Uh, the, the monsters and the characters, they all look really, really good. I love the way they look. They also look unique. Like the orcs that you fight in the game, I think they were orcs. I'm pretty sure that they were orcs. I'm, I'm, this is from memory. The orcs that you fight in the game uh, early on, they look so rad. And they don't look like your standard orc that you would see in other games. They look... I don't know, more trollish, but at the same time, it's very cool. Uh, the the voice acting, which I already said is awesome. Each of the four main characters is voiced incredibly well, at least in the small amount that I've played. Uh, they all have uh, different accents, which for me helps incredibly because it helps me remember who's who. I'm like, oh, the the guy who's kind of the, the the guy who's kind of a lush. He's that guy who's Scottish-ish, maybe. I don't know if he's Scottish. He's He feels like he's got that Scottish accent. I'm not an expert on accents, so if you're listening or watching this and you're like, that guy's not Scottish, it's fine. I'm, I just got it wrong, all right? Feel free to educate me, though. Tell me what Tell me what his accent is. But everybody has these different accents. And I will say this, quite often in games... I personally have trouble telling the, the different character voices apart from each other, like just remembering it. And the, the the decision that they've made to have each character have a different accent really helps. It really does. Uh, the music in the game is awesome. I love the menus as well. The menus, when you bring up the menus and look at all of the stats... Uh, like when you're going to buy a new piece of equipment and you're looking at all the stats, they all just look awesome. I'm looking at the game right now and I'm in the main city and it's absolutely gorgeous. And the thing, things that are jumping out at me that I want to make sure that I hit on, um, different NPCs have different logos above their heads, depending on, uh, whether or not you should talk to them or you need to talk to them or you can safely ignore them. So for instance, if they've got a little white cloud bubble, you can probably safely ignore them. They may tell you some some useful information, but for the most part, it's not going to be super important that you talk to them. Uh, if it is incredibly important that you talk to them, they'll have a specific 
uh, main story quest icon above them. And then if there's somebody that has a side quest, they have a little blue uh, bubble over their head, which you can talk to them as well. Um, when you uh, go out and uh, fight your enemies, the combat, let's talk about the combat very quickly. You have the option of doing just a regular attack, using one of your class abilities. Um, you can either use a, 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 an attack or a defensive move called a default, or you can use another um, move called a brave. Now, the way that it works is if you default, you're going to be defending your character and you will earn a brave point. You can then later spend brave points in order to attack multiple times in a turn if you wish. So perhaps I would default with a character for three or four turns, building up a bunch of brave points, and then I would use an ability which would make a monster um, weak to fire and then use a bunch of fire attacks from that character based on the brave points that I've built up. Another way that you can do that is you can actually spend your brave points early. The problem is, is that that means you won't get a turn on that character for an extended period of time. So here's an example where you might run into this issue is you decide, okay, I've, I need to heal this character. They're really, really low. I don't have the brave points available to um, spam heal this character back up as much as I think that they're going to need it. So I'm going to go into brave debt, <laughs> essentially. Uh, I'm going to go into brave debt and I'm going to heal that character. Maybe I'll heal everybody up to full, but now my healer can't take any turns for like three turns. So you have this balance between... Uh, being aggressive or being defensive. And if you're too defensive, then you're never going to do any damage. And if you're too aggressive, then you're going to spend too much time just standing there taking damage. So you really have to be very, very careful about what you do. And maybe that's why I'm so bad at it. Um, I'm looking forward to playing more of it. It's really cool. Another thing that I really like about it is that this is a game that respects your time. Now, in the first one, you had the ability, if you wanted to, to turn off random encounters. And I'm still, still fairly early in the demo, so I don't know if you can turn off random encounters. It doesn't feel like the game has random encounters because as you're running around the map, you can see the enemies on the screen. So maybe you can just avoid the random encounters by running away from those things. I'm not sure. Um, but it feels like the game respects your time, the point that I was trying to make, because you can speed up combat. So once you see the animations and you've seen them a billion times, you know, that, you know, the guy casting fire for the 300th time today as he's trying to set some wolves on fire, um, you can push the a button on the screen and it will make all of the combat animations happen much, much faster which is really, really cool. Now, sometimes you might be, there might be something that you miss because the combat was going too fast, and so you can easily slow it down again. Uh, if you're, maybe, maybe you see a new enemy. You know, you default at the full speed combat, but you, know, you, you do a new encounter, and oh my gosh, suddenly there's a vampire bat there. Let me slow down combat so I can see how this particular uh, monster interacts with my party. 
speaking of the party, like I said before, there's four characters in it and you have a bunch of different jobs and the job system is actually really robust and impressive. Uh, so you get to choose whatever job you want. Uh, so if I go into the job menu, uh, then I will see, and I don't know if these are the only jobs that are in the game. I'm assuming that you will unlock more jobs later on. Um, in fact, I'm 99% sure that they said that in the in the direct, so well, let's move on. Uh, there's a freelancer, a monk, a white mage, a black mage, and a vanguard. Uh, those are the main jobs, and you get to pick a main job and a sub job. So you, there's so much customized customization that you can do in this game. I think everybody is going to have a wonderful time and they're going to have wildly different experiences. I'm sure that the story will be the same, but your combat and my combat and the way that we attack our our enemies or overcome the things in front of us are going to be wildly different than anybody else. Anyway, thanks for listening to me ramble on about this demo. If you haven't picked it up yet, download it. It's free and it's awesome. And if you are, even have a, just a, the tiniest little hint that you might enjoy Bravely Default 2, then I highly recommend that you check it out. One last thing before I get out of here. If you haven't played Bravely Default 1, you don't need to. This is a different story. And I, I feel like Square Enix is kind of trying to do the same thing that they do with Final Fantasy, where you don't feel the need to go back and play the first one in order to enjoy the second one. All right, I'm out of here. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, like and subscribe and all that other stuff, and you're listening to this on, on the podcast, then go subscribe to YouTube. I'll see you guys around. Bye-bye. If you were a fan of Sega back in the day, then you probably fondly remember Crazy Taxi. Crazy Taxi was this very, very cool game where you had to pick up a, a customer and deliver them to a location with some really, really great music from the offspring blaring in the background as you drove your taxi through this ridiculous city in the most haphazard and dangerous way you possibly could. And that's the vibe that I got from Totally Reliable Delivery Service when the developer reached out to me and asked if I would check out their game. And, uh, I, you know, I looked at the video and I said, oh, this, well, video. I looked at the animated GIF and I said, oh, this seems like Crazy Taxi. So, yes, I'm in. I want to check this out. Well, it's not really like Crazy Taxi. I mean, in one way it is. You are picking up a uh, a deliverable and taking it to a location in as fast uh, a way as you can. However, it's less like it's less about driving and far more about the physics ridiculousness that happens in the game. Here's what they have to say about the game. Buckle up your back brace and fire up the delivery truck. It's time to deliver. Join up to three of your friends and haphazardly get the job done in an interactive sandbox world. Buckle up your back. Oh, I just read that part. Why do they have that on there twice? Anyway, uh, features local and online multiplayer. You can go it alone to ensure the safety of your deliveries, or you can join your friends and put your teamwork to the test. Controlled noodly chaos, unpredictable ragdoll physics meets snappy platforming sprint leap dive and grapple with ease. I would have to disagree with that part about ease, but that's all right. Uh, collide with something, 
and you'll be knocked out cold. A world of distractions. Take a break from deliveries to play around. The world is chock full of toys, vehicles, and machines that can be used for work or play. Ragtag crew, customize your blue-collar workers and get your rear into gear because it's time to deliver. Uh, there's a bunch of vehicles in the game. Uh, there's over 20 different vehicles that cover land, air, and sea. Uh, and, you know, th there's also a bunch of character customization that happens as you play the game. You unlock, like, different looks for your character or different hairstyles. The graphics are, I would have to say, very, very unique. It's a incredibly weird-looking game. I, I don't even know how to describe You know what? You know what? I do know how to describe it. It feels like I'm looking at the video game version of somebody's clay project, if that makes sense. Everybody's kind of amorphous and don't really have a real shape to them, but you get where the arms and legs are. There's something charming about a game that has a unique art style, and I can appreciate that about Totally Reliable Delivery Service. All right, so what are my experiences like playing the game? I have to say that this game does not appeal to me even a little bit, and I don't think it's because it's poorly made. It's because it has a control scheme that I just don't like. And it again, this is not a knock on the game. This is a knock on a genre of games. The The game that this reminded me most of when I started playing was Human Fall Flat. My son has a copy of Human Fall Flat on his Nintendo Switch, and he asked me to play it a couple times, and man, is that game frustrating. It feels like the game is designed, the, the game design centers around poor, poorly designed controls. And I think that that's what they're going for with this. It's supposed to feel awkward and goofy because as you're trying to control your character, everything is shaking around because it's all based on physics. That's why they have that, that blurb there, controlled, noodly chaos. Everything is ragdoll physics. You walk up to, to a box, if you want to pick it up, you have to get your right arm close enough to it and then hold down the right trigger. And then your hand will grab a hold of whatever that is. And then maybe you want to tilt your body to the right a little bit so that your left arm comes close enough to the box so that you can grab it with the left trigger. So now you've got this box held in both hands. And this is something that I don't often do is play in what my son calls the claw grip, where you've got your ring, uh, your no, your middle fingers on the triggers and your index fingers on the bumpers because in order to raise your arms up you have to push the bumper buttons in order to pick the box up high enough so that it's not dragging on the ground breaking uh you can see like little packing materials flying out of the box as you are uh moving um and slowing you down remember this is all about getting the packages uh to the location as fast as possible actually let me break for one second there and say some of the missions are about bringing a package to the delivery as fast as you possibly can while others are grading you based on how much damage the box took so if you are that uh that 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 jerk 
who we've all seen on the ring video cameras where, you know, he's he's uh, kicking the box out of the UPS truck and it lands on the floor and then he's dragging it and throwing it and, and all of that stuff. If you're that guy, you're going to lose points on there. I do have to say that there there is a charm to this game, especially the way that as you, every time the the box takes a little tiny bit of damage, packing materials fly out all over the place. There's something charming about that. There's something charming about the way that the characters move, but I can't get past the bad controls. Again, if you are somebody that liked Human Fall Flat, then you're going to feel right at home with totally reliable delivery service. But for me, it was just too frustrating. It was way too frustrating. And that's why I stopped playing it pretty quickly. Uh, That being said, uh, I think that there's definitely people out there that are very much going to enjoy this game. It's available on just about every platform. Uh, The Epic Games Store, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, the App Store, and the Google Play Store. So, like, you can play this thing anywhere. Um, They didn't say anything in the press release about whether or not it was going to have a um, uh, cross-server uh, multiplayer. They, I mean, I know that there's online multiplayer. I connected to online. I didn't see anybody else. But, of course, the game doesn't come out until April 1st, which is tomorrow, so I'm not sure. And if I do uh, play this game again, which, you know, maybe I'll try the multiplayer at some point, I'll talk about it on the show. So if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. And, um, you know, I'll also look down below in the um, in the description and uh, listen to the podcast. It's a, this, uh, this is always comes out as an audio podcast, which you can check out um, every, uh, well, many episodes a week. Uh, so make sure that you do that. Again, the, the podcast is called Nintendo Switchcraft, and you can find it wherever podcasts are downloaded. And for all those people who are listening to the podcast now, and you're like, why are you telling us all this stuff? Because this is also a YouTube video. Go to my YouTube video and check it out, youtube.com slash run jump stomp. Anyway, that's totally reliable delivery service for the Nintendo Switch. I think it's very, very cool, but extremely not for me. And uh, if you really like Human Fall Flat, then I think that there's something here that you might really really enjoy uh the game costs let me look that up real quick 15 bucks it's 15 bucks on the nintendo switch i don't know what it is on the other platforms but there you go anyway thank you for listening and hopefully i'll see you all next time bye bye